You're standing over the dead body of your compatriot, Brock Bronston. Your small hands on top of his forehead. Light beginning to generate off of them. You're speaking an incantation you heard before. Slowly, everything starts fading around you. You feel yourself sifting away. Suddenly, something pushes you to the side. A flash of light. And then blackness. Forever. Hello, dear listeners. It is with a heavy heart I must tell you that the Nightingale Watch as you know it is dead. Following the betrayal of their leader, our heroes find themselves lost, the Oracle's predictions for them still ringing in their ears. Despite these setbacks, the group pushes on in pursuit of those lofty ideals that once united them. When we last left off, your friend Brock is dead, Hildy has been left blind, and Robin is missing an arm. In this sorry state, we come upon the remnants of that Nightingale watch. Drifter's going to look to where uh, Siegfried was. Is there anything left in the in like the the land he was where he was? Do you mean like where it was standing? Where he was standing. Okay. Um, Other than the ground itself being somewhat charred and blackened as if by a fire. No, there's nothing really remaining. Yeah, Chosh is going to take out his... Uh, well, I guess it's already out. Chosh is going to keep his sword out and storm into the uh, fortune teller's little cave uh, to, to ask some questions. And Lola, uh, having just called to Hildy um, and, and hearing her... Her strained response is going to stride over. She's going to walk over to Hildy and put her arms around her. Hildy, dear, are you all right? Hildy, can you see me? She's just crying. And I embrace her. No, no. I I wrap my arms around her and hold her and we both cry. We'll start with Drifter. All right, so... uh. Drifter walks into the tent and starts to investigate. You part the cloth outer layer of the tent and you enter inside. His tent is always bigger than yours. It's full of knickknacks, maps, books, so many trinkets that he has accumulated over the years. Why don't you roll to investigate? Uh, sorry, right, it's three. Okay. How long do you want... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I... Is this like a pressing thing, or do you want to meticulously look in the room? Um, not meticulous. Not meticulously. No. Okay. Well, then I can't give you like a take twenty. Um, you searched the room, but Siegfried wasn't particularly known for his organizational skills, unfortunately. And the, you go about the only thing that you really see that's kind of set out by itself is something that doesn't really help you at all. It's a picture of all of you. The day before you boarded the SS Malamar. Jester uh, will hold on to the picture. Chosh, you enter into the cave where you were moments before. 
you stride in past all the trinkets towards the oracle. She's there. She just kind of is cackling to herself. Do you do anything or say anything? Yeah. Um, well, first, I'm just going to give the room a quick glance and see if I can maybe glean what Siegfried sacrificed, what Siegfried gave to her. Yeah, roll an investigation check. That's pretty hard. Unfortunately, I'm not very perceptive or investigative. <laughs> so. What's the result? It was a five. I got a five out of 20. Unfortunately for you, the room is full of crap. <laughs> There's just trinkets all over the place. I mean, you can see where your flute was. Yeah. That's about it. I missed that flute already. You should take it back. You can get it. <laughs> yeah, just go. It doesn't seem honest. <laughs> Honesty's out the window. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know. Yeah. Um, so Destroyed our friend. Anarchy now. Uh, Chosh will stride right up to her and stick his sword sort of like at her neck region. Um, and <laughs> She holds up her hands as if, you know, like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. As if she was in surrender. And I uh, demand, what did you show him? Only what he asked. And what did he ask? The truth. <laughs> if you don't kill her, I will. <laughs> <laughs> she has like a cauldron, right? Yeah. Chosh is going to put his foot on the cauldron and kick it towards her. It spills over with the boiling liquid that was there. She steps back to not get scalded by the liquid. She says to you. Yeah. You're not unlike another pair who came here before. Two brothers. One didn't enjoy very much what I had to say to him. And the other, well. <laughs> and she, she gestures to something on the wall, a trinket. It's a little piece of paper with a symbol on it. You see on the paper an eye bleeding a tear. Um, so wait, so let's, let's go back. Let's think about the three people we know, those three maniacs. None of them were brothers, right? They didn't look like brothers. The three maniacs? The three maniacs, the, the animaniacs. The gorilla man, the skeleton, the oh. kabuki woman. Yeah. I don't think you know his brothers yet. I don't think, I don't think the skeleton and the gorilla, I guess, could be and brothers. The I don't see a and family resemblance. I don't see a family resemblance, yeah. <laughs> but it could be. It could, well, it could have been a gorilla skeleton. I mean, never the asked. two brothers. Um, you could so. find this out. Yeah. By asking. Yes. Who were these brothers? Oh, but you already know the answer to that. Hasn't your angel told you who came before? My angel tells me what I need to know. I would ask him. <laughs> Josh is going to kick the now empty cauldron at the old fortune teller because she's being very rude <laughs> and he does not appreciate it. What did you show him? Why did he do any of this i only showed him the truth about his future now be gone from my lair insolent boy fuck you man <laughs> <laughs> don't All put right, that in don't fine. put that in no no josh is going to with his sword still out cut down a bunch of trinkets overhead and uh <laughs> you're gonna kylo walk red out. this oh yeah <laughs> and, and and walk out they tinkle to the ground and scatter all across the room. I hate it when trinkets tinkle. <laughs> <laughs> we're you being, think they clatter. We're being so mean to the diction. I'm sorry, Jake. Josh, Drifter, come here. Our sobbing has only gotten stronger in these last few minutes as we huddle around this severed corpse of our 
our our friend Josh will uh, walk up to Hildy and kneel down next to her and try to help any way he can. Drifter will walk out of the tent, kind of hide the picture in his back pocket. Drifter will walk over to Robin and just kind of hold her close, like, you know, and not say anything. I think she takes comfort in that. We all look upon the remains of Brock and... uh... I don't think there's anything really to say. In the following day, you make preparations f- to bury the body. Do you prepare anything for the funeral? Drifter will spend his time digging the hole. Um, that's kind of the only way he can p- think he can provide. We've decided to bury him here, where he died. That's up to you, I assumed. I, so. I suppose. He was kind of a wanderer. Josh will gather up um, Brock's weapons and other materials that were important to him so that they can be all buried with him i think lola in this time will stay with robin and hildy as we find wildflowers to weave into wreaths uh to set upon the burial mound robin has been having to help guide hildy because she's just adjusting to her new blindness of course And one of the things she says to her is, Come on. I'll be your eyes if you bleed my hands. As they work on this project with you. It's now the funeral. You've laid the body into the grave. It's just barely deep enough. Brock's an enormous man, frankly. He was towering in life, and he was towering in death. Hildy begins the eulogy by reading a passage from the Holy Book, that she just happens to have memorized. Basically, just saying, inviting the angels to take his soul back up into heaven. Why don't you roll a perception check about this? I roll a four. 18. So unperceptive. Say what you got. (laughs) I got a five. 18. What you notice is Robin, because she makes a very similar face to you when you hear this passage being read. That of a grimace, frankly. She doesn't appreciate it at all. Robin goes next in the eulogy, and she takes up a little bit of dirt from the ground. She speaks an old dwarvish prayer. She says, from dirt to dirt, our journey begins and ends, like rocks eternal, our bonds with friends. And she throws the dirt on the body. Who'd like to go first? Much like Hildy did, Josh will go up and... Without without much personalization, uh, read like an official uh, prayer, perhaps one that Hildy didn't didn't have memorized, um, and uh, even though there's certainly emotion in his voice, it's not like I said before. It's not very personalized. It's not. It's not. Doesn't seem very specific for the situation. It's just a general prayer that is said in mourning. Okay. Lola or Drifter, do you have anything? I look to Drifter and I say, you should say the final words, dear. Brock was like a son to you. So I step up before the grave and I hold his guitar and I say, Brock, dear, I'm sorry I didn't get to know you. I didn't even try. You're so much more than what I thought of you. 
You were a friend. You were a fighter. And you gave us song. You gave us light. We'll always remember you fondly. Rest well, darling. And I place the guitar. The small stone we have placed before the, the mound. I didn't take Brock for a religious man, so... I'm not going to quote passages, but... He was a good man. He tried to bring good where he went. And in this world of angels and men, it's clear the true evil of the monsters. You see the body laying in the dirt, his hands clasped around his hammer as it was often done in life. And unlike life, he was surrounded by flowers, a crown of flowers, and flowers laid all about him. And you slowly bury the body. And then you make the long trip back to the capital. In the coming days, you all, in your own time, try to come to terms with what has happened. You arrive back at the capital. The return couldn't be more different than the departure. Rather than throngs of adoring fans, nobody is there to greet you. You seem to be in obscurity without Siegfried. And rather than having an armed escort help you out of the city, an armed escort approaches you. These metal soldiers come over to you, Chosh, and also Hildy, and they hold out a letter to you. Uh, yeah, Chosh will take it, considering that Hildy cannot. It's a letter that is, com- that is a very strongly worded letter, ordering you immediately, almost effectively as a warrant of arrest, almost. That's how it seems to be worded. But it doesn't say that. It orders you to the capital. Only you and Hildy. Yeah, uh, Chosh will read it aloud to Hildy, uh, and then sort of look at her and say, I don't know what they would want from just us. She kind of tenses up. It'll, it will be all right, tears. She kind of clutches on, she kind of latches onto your arm because she's A, blind, and B, yeah. scared. I say it kind of half-heartedly, well, not half-heartedly, but half-believing it. Like They'll understand. They'll treat you kindly, fairly. Don't, don't be afraid. You two are escorted back to the tower. The rest of you, Drifter, Robin, and Lola. Robin speaks to you all and says, I don't know what we can do in the meantime, but you know, after all this, I could use a drink. Drifter? Lola? I think that's fair. I know a place nearby. It's quiet. We can talk there. I suppose this tea hasn't really been enough in the past few days to calm my nerves, so perhaps a hard drink might do me well. Chosh, you are greeted at the tower, and you are compelled to part with Hildy once you arrive there. She is taken elsewhere, and you are stopped. And for the first time, usually you just pass through TSA Pre, uh, but this time they, uh, they demand you remove everything. Your armor, your weapons, everything. Um, they don't provide you anything to cover your face. Chosh will take off all the armor except for uh, the helmet and uh, look at the guard and say, if it's all right with you, I'd prefer to keep this modesty. They shake their head no. Chosh will comply and like physically with his hands sort of cover his face as best as he can. They are not content with just the armor being removed. Oh my God. They 
ask you to remove the rest of your clothes. But, but why? Orders from above. Diligence? Righteousness. Uh, yeah. So Josh will, Josh will. Just to your undergarments, basically. I mean, he's, he's clearly incredibly uncomfortable. He's, he's like curling into himself, trying to cover his face with one hand and like part of his body with the other. It's, it's not, he's, he's not, doesn't look very graceful to be sure. They bring you all the way up to Righteousness's office. It's a long trip and it's very shameful for you. You are escorted inside. No one is waiting in the antechamber. Thank God. Except for the woman at the desk. No! <laughs> <laughs> Not her at all times. Um, but she doesn't make any comments. Oh, thank God. Just faces. <laughs> Worse. You are brought into Righteousness's office. Unlike Diligence's, it's quite large. It's almost itself a church. You are brought before him. Inside this room, there are different type of guards here. Rather than iron statues, these are beautiful marble busts that are alive. They all have humanoid-esque features, but other animalistic parts to them. And two of them walk up to you as you stand before him, and they force you aggressively to your knees. Uh, Josh will certainly comply. If anything, it's, it's preferable to be hidden in that way. Righteousness speaks to you. He says, Josh, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all. I asked you to do one job. To take care of Siegfried and make sure nothing happened. And what did you do? You did not return to me the knife. Where is it, Josh? Where is Siegfried? I'm sorry, but he's gone. He left. Righteousness gets up in a bout of anger. He strides over to you. He places his hand comfortingly on your shoulder. He bends over to you and speaks to you in a whisper. What happened to him? He was corrupted. Righteousness stands back, alert all of a sudden. And he says, we can't afford this to happen again. I knew it was a mistake to trust a human in such a position like him. Chosh, I'm sorry, but you have failed me gravely. I have no choice. I'm stripping you of your rank. You are no longer the arbiter of diligence. Chosh will uh, burst to his feet uh, where, where he was before very shy and docile. He's now become uh, aggressive even towards righteousness. And uh, he'll, he'll say, A human may have wronged you, but a human can right you. Let me fix this. Righteousness contemplates this. You look into his, what could be called a face. You, again, it's like a cube that's turning in on itself. You can't really gauge any of his emotions. But you would imagine at this moment that he would likely be smiling. He says to you, I'm so glad to hear that. We expected to have issues, to be frank with you. Why else did we think we had a spare like you around? We're glad that we were prepared for this, and we can see that unlike Siegfried, your trust is absolute. But I'm afraid things have progressed, unfortunately. We'll need to take some measures. We'll have to blame Siegfried for the assassination, of course, and for the death of Charity. It's the only way to go forward. 
Unfortunately, we can't have you being the new public face for us. But we have something else that you can do for us instead. He snaps his fingers. Some of the marble guard produce something for you. It's a suit of armor. You recognize it. Oh my god. But it's been changed somewhat. You see immediately it's Sir Frederick's armor. We've made some additions to the armor to suit your particular predilections. You notice that the helmet is sort of shaped more like a shark's head and it comes up down onto the main chest almost like a shark, shark's jaw. He says to you, It is unfortunate, Josh, but your new job will, of course, require a degree of discipline and a degree of secrecy that would not be permitted in your current identity. Instead, you will don a new identity, Josh, and you will fulfill our requests as that. Instead of an arbiter, you will be our hand in the matter. This armor, Josh, as you approach it, is not just a reward at all. This armor is a reminder to you. I don't want you to wear it with pride. I want you to wear it with shame for your failing. Josh, what do you do? Josh will look from the armor to righteousness and uh, sort of swallow a little bit and say, should I bring Siegfried back? Siegfried is beyond redemption, Josh. You must bring redemption to him. He hands you a sword to emphasize this point. Without taking it, Josh will say, no one can do what Siegfried did. Who would replace him? You will replace him, Josh, but not yet. Not a name yet. You must tie up the loose ends before then. Josh will take the sword and look towards the armor and say, I'll do what needs to be done with Siegfried, but if you think I can be what he was, then you're wrong. You're right. You will be so much more. Robin is taking both you, Lola, and you, Drifter, to a bar. There's a couple people out front of it, and she kind of like gestures at them to scram. She's wearing her coat over her shoulders to conceal the fact she's missing an arm now. She enters into the bar with you all. No one's there. She goes over to the bartender and says, Lenny, give me three of the scotch specials. Lenny says, Oh, you sure about that, Robin? Only really Brock can take that. That's pretty, uh, pretty hard stuff. What's the occasion? Just shut up and pour the drinks, Lenny. Lenny pours you three of the scotch special. Drifter will grab his hand before he leaves and say, Leave the bottle. Hey, you still good for this? Or, uh, Lenny, fuck off. <laughs> I tentatively grasp my glass and raise it to my nose and sniff in the, uh, <laughs> the aroma and, uh, uh, sharply, uh, exhale and move my head away. Uh, are, are you sure this is fit for consumption? Because it, it smells quite strong, dear. <laughs> well, I mean, Brock did it. She picks hers up, downs it in one, and then she kind of pounds her hand on the table as if she just drank something really, really disgusting. Mm. She's like, God, that is really smoky. Mm-hmm. Well, I glance to Drifter. Well, to, to Brock. To Brock. Oh! Oh! <laughs> That's dreadful! 
Oh God. Oh, what? Why did we? Why did we ask for the bottle? Oh God, my <laughs> head. Oh my head. I put. Lola puts her hands, her her finely gloved hands to her to her forehead and says, "Oh, that is quite sharp indeed." Is Lola much of a drinker? She doesn't strike me as. I'm a tea drinker. Right. Let's just say, yeah. Uh, I, I was about to order you a drink, but I'm. You, I don't know what you like, so. Are Lenny. Sure? Lenny. <laughs> what do you want? Give her whatever she wants. <laughs> well, Lenny, I, 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 I really couldn't say. Um, you know, I, I'm fine with this. This is something different, something hard. It's, this is fine, Lenny. Thank you, dear. Robin kind of wanders off on her own. She, she can't use a bow anymore, but she does still have knives. She takes out one of these throwing knives and starts throwing them against a dartboard. You can see that she's struggling. She's lost her dominant hand, her left hand, and she doesn't even come close. And all throughout your conversation, you just hear a dull thunk, thunk, with every miss. Is she next to us or is she across the bar? She's kind of across the bar. I think it's best to leave her as much as I, I want to comfort her. I think she needs to be alone. It'll take time, but she's strong. She'll get there. We all will. Easy for you to say. You weren't really in this for much, were you? I don't see why you're still here, frankly. I take another gulp of this strong scotch special. True. I was in it for money. But somewhere along the way, I got the feeling we were doing something special. I also thought we were following someone special, so what do I know? I lower my head into my hands. Drifter, I just don't know what we're doing anymore. I don't know what we can do. Siegfried was my light. Siegfried was my everything. He guided us. And now he's gone. He's not even gone. That's... It's not as though he's dead. It's worse. He's betrayed us. I don't know if I can ever... I don't know what I can do, Drifter. <laughs> and I start to sob quietly. The one thing we can't do is nothing. Why did you join the Nightingale Watch? Just for money? Is that all you care about? What good do you think we were doing that made you change your mind? Why does this even matter? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe we were following a madman the whole time. I'd like to believe he was human once, if not anymore. Who knows what he is now? Drifter, what do you think of the symbol of those who oppose the angels? What does it all mean? You knew of the symbol when we got off of the train? I don't know what to think. I've seen it around those we fought. They sure don't seem like good guys. I don't really know what's good anymore, do I? I Let me take another sip. Good guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, what's good? What's bad? I, I don't know. I frankly don't. I used to think good guys don't kill angels. But here we are. I'm complicit. Mercy was... Or... <laughs> Charity was... Alone. 
She didn't have anything protecting her. She didn't. She didn't have a weapon. She just had Sir Frederick. And we. We cut him down. You know, I used to fear angels. <laughs> That's why I didn't feel bad. But now that I've seen demons, I know that's worse. And you've seen all the, the vagrants of the city being taken to who knows where. I, how could we help them? What do we even, why do we need to go on with these trials? Can we? If we don't, who will? Who will stand up for this city, for these people? Something happens. You see someone you recognize, Drifter. It's Lieutenant Catherine Hayes. She looks at you and she says, I've been looking around the entire city for the past couple days for you. Where have you been? Uh, here mostly. I've been here. I've been here three times already. We just got here, Catherine. What do you want? Drifter, dear, who is this? She holds out her badge. She says, Catherine Hayes, Lieutenant of the uh, local police. She flips her badge back. It's she a pleasure to meet you, dear. I'm Lola. Oh, you don't need to know my name. I, I'm Lola. I, 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 I am a wizard. It's all right, Lola. Uh, what can I do you for today? Listen, uh, so I hear you're part of a company called the Nightingale Watch, right? Well, I got a big lead. I actually found some guy who knows something about this whole deal. About what really happened with the angels. And, well, he might have uh, some information for you guys and for me. He said I should bring you to him. What's his name? His name? Yes. It's Arthur Winster. You know, guy invented the rifle. You think he knows something? He definitely seemed like he was saying that to me, yeah. He said I should bring your Nightingale watch to, uh, to him. He said you guys did good business as a mercenary group. When? When? Where should we go? Well, well he's, uh, he's ready for you now, but uh, <laughs> is, uh, is she going to be okay? Uh, <laughs> well... I imagine after a good night's rest, I, I shall be fine, but I do worry, though, for the others who remain in the watch. Well, we can wait for them, and we can head over tomorrow if you want. Yes. All right, you do that. You all meet up the next day. Lieutenant Hayes explains to all of you that this man has some answers and possibly a job for the Nightingale Watch. Upon hearing this, Hildy speaks up, uncharacteristically, and she says... Oh, um, I wanted to say this first, but I guess now is as good a time as any. Um, I have been reassigned. What? What? Hildy, where are you going? Well, going to help with conversion of the people around the pit. Conversion? Yeah, helping convert them back to the faith. And I, uh, Robin speaks up. And she says, The pit? That place is a hellhole. What are they sending you there for? Hildy responds and says, Um, well, it's part of my new promotion, I guess. Hildy, dear, you're not going... Please, please tell me you're not going alone. Well, I mean, she smiles and she looks at where Robin was and she says, Well, I was hoping that, uh, you'd be my eyes and I'd be your hands. But, uh, Robin doesn't smile at this. She says, Hildy, how long are you going to be blind to the bullshit of these mother... I'm sorry. It's in bad taste. I apologize. You can't keep doing stuff like this. I can't keep protecting you. 
from yourself. Hildy responds and says, Is... is that how you really feel about it? Fine. She storms off, kind of tripping over the cobbles. Hildy, stop! She turns back and says, I'm fine. She gestures to one of the iron guards and has one of them escort her. Robin, you can't let her go. All by herself. I'm through. With the faith. And all the trouble they've caused us. And if she can't see that, I don't know if I can even help her. I don't know about this job. Whatever you're offering. I know we all feel betrayed. Forsaken by the faith. But look past that. What is it that we know in this life to be true? It's the love, the friendship we have for others. Are you really going to let that fade? Are you really going to let that die just because? I can't keep doing this. Look, I I don't know where we go from here. I hear there's a prosthetics dealer in town. Guess that's a place for me to start. I don't think I'm ready to see action again with you all. That's fair, dear. Just, I'll look through his old things, see if there's anything of interest I can find. That's fair, Robin. But what I mean to say is that you shouldn't let Hilly just disappear. You shouldn't lose track of her. She needs you. And you need her. Admit that. Hildy's her own person. She can make her own choices. I can't. I'm not strong enough see something happen to her again. Tell me how the job turns out. I'll be waiting. She heads off. Well, here's what's left, Lieutenant Hayes. All right, I guess it'll do. Uh, Come on, let's go. She takes you to an enormous mansion in town. There's armed guards outside. Not like the iron ones, but real paid guards. You go in through these large iron gates and you enter into this house. The first thing you notice about it is that it seems more like a museum than a house. This man has clearly collected several lifetimes worth of artifacts, creatures, and frankly, oddities that the place is chocked full of it. You meet Arthur for the first time. He's a handsome drow man with white hair. His arms are heavily tattooed with strange insignias on them. He wears a variety of jewelry all about his neck, on his ears, on his hands. They're covered with it. He has a white goatee, which is unlike most elves. And he speaks to you and he says, Excellent, excellent. I'm so glad to have you here. Well, friends, come sit down. Have a cup of tea. Have a something stronger if you'd like. Anything for you all. Please, I have a proposition for you. Arthur, it's a pleasure, pleasure to meet you, sir. It's a pleasure is all mine. He shakes your hand warmly. Please, sit down. Well, it is indeed a pleasure. I'll take a drink. Sure, what would you like? Uh, what do you got? Anything, and he smiles. I'll just take whatever whiskey you got. He snaps his fingers. One of his butlers approaches you with a tray of many whiskeys, some of which you've only ever seen and never tasted. Drifter will grab the least expensive one the one he recognizes, anyone he recognizes. You do. You pour yourself a glass. 
he speaks to you all, and he says, I've heard quite a little bit about your little mercenary company, but I imagined it was a bit bigger. Tell me, friends, are you up for this challenge? What's the challenge? Well, you see, what I have for you is a very interesting job. A very particular sort of job that I... But something is making a lot of noise. It's Bradley's Is it Mark? Chair. No, it's your bag, Elizabeth. <gasps> Edgar, whatever is the matter, dear? Your bag seems to kind of be running in circles. And then it seems to be kind of coughing as if it's about to barf something. That's okay. Go on. Go on. It's all right. Your bag kind of retches onto the floor. It's the jumpsuit you picked up from Eden 5. Oh. The bag picks it up in it with its teeth and brings it over to the man. Edgar, what, what on earth are you doing? Bring that back. Arthur takes a little walking stick he has and he places it and picks up the jumpsuit and holds it on his walking stick. He looks at it quizzically. Roll a perception check. This is gross. Just eight. Eight is great. Eight is... I got three, which is kind of like eight if you... Seventeen. Put it back to back. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's today. Drifter, you notice as you look at him, as he looks at the back of the jumpsuit, his eyes widen in shock, and he places it back down. Is this... Do do you know this jumpsuit? (laughs) Have you seen this jumpsuit? Do you know this jumpsuit? (laughs) He looks at you. He seems to be contemplating, saying something. You know, Catherine here told me that you were a clever boy. Inquisitive boy. <laughs> I'm like 50 years old. <laughs> Over 400 years old. Clever boy. That's fair. That's a little bit older. Well, Drifter. That's what I heard your name was. Yes, it's funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, like it. I really like that. He uses my name and has to clarify. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> well, Drifter Hayes told me. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I know your name. And Hayes, yeah, do. you definitely have introduced. You have definitely. I really like chash. that. <laughs> now, listen. I could know something about this jumpsuit. I might know quite a bit about this jumpsuit, but I think I would be interested to tell you about it if you did something for me. I have a little job, and in exchange for it, answers. It's come to my attention. That your friend, your former leader, Siegfried, is on the run after apparently murdering two angels. And our friend. And Brock, a it, member of our party. Yes, it was all in this new it was all in the news here. He hands you a piece of he hands you the newspaper. The top headline says Former champion, now assassin. Strange fellow. I suspect you're probably looking for him. Yes? We might be. I might have information that might point you to where he might be. I also might have information about that jumpsuit. Why do you care? He smiles at you. People like you have come so close to the truth that you are the only ones suited for this sort of job. The only ones who could be trusted with the sensitivity of this work. I'll of course pay you handsomely. It seems you're in need of a new source of income. (laughs) <laughs> Arthur, as much as I appreciate the pleasantry- We'll take it
Join us again for the next exciting episode of Tabletop Theater. Episode 12, The Train Job. Oh, is he not buried yet? He's, he's in the he's in the dirt. He's in the dirt? Yeah. Put him in a shirt. Yeah. I will put you down. <laughs> I will make you hurt. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's I'm like sorry. my favorite. Edition. No, it's fine.